Hello, hello, and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are you all? What's going on, Charlie? How you going? Hi, good. Welcome back. We're here, episode two. Pretty of a yes. fun one, kind of. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it in a second. Graham, how are you before we get into what this episode's all about? <laughs> I am ready to learn, Sam. Good. I'm glad, Graham. That's good because everyone playing along at home, when I pitched this episode, Charlotte's like, Fucking boring, bro. And I was like, excuse me? History is fun, everyone. And I'm going to prove it all to you today. Basically, what we're going to talk about here (laughs) is historical fiction anime. Now, this is an interesting genre. Let me explain what historical fiction actually is, because how does it differ from a period piece, for example? Oh, we're going that deep. Oh, we're going that deep. Hang on. I just need to go back to your impersonation of me. Like I was like some 1980s jock, like bullying you, like in the yeah. school ah, hallway. Hey, <laughs> hey loser. Like history's for Pretty dweeb, much like- what, That's actually, that's how I remember the meeting going. Yeah, it was pretty accurate. He's yeah. ragging on your cord, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that obviously there's some great anime in this genre and I just want to like stand up for myself so everyone thinks I'm a total like bimbo. Um, but- I genuinely was just like, hey, hey, Sam, we might need to change the title because it's not super clickable. And Sam was like, let's open the season with my favourite topic, historical fiction. And I went, man, we're a pretty low-key podcast, but I'm um, sure. But, you know, we ain't scraping the bottom of the bar at all. But I have to say that the shows that we've all picked and what we're talking about are all top tier. Yeah. So any excuse that I get to talk about what I'm going to talk about, I will take. And you know what? If it has to be in the historical fiction episode, then... So be it. So let's get into it. Also, for those of you watching as opposed to listening, I am repping what you can see, a gateway to anime shirt. They exist. They're pretty cool. They're also not for sale. So I don't know why you're- Yeah, why are you um, repping They might be soon. (laughs) They might be soon if you're lucky. Look at this shirt that you can't buy. This shirt that you can't ever. (laughs) Maybe if we get a few more Patreon. One day down the line, these shirts will be available for sale. But at the moment, untenable, but they're pretty cool, right? Anyway, let's talk about historical- fiction. Let's break this down a bit. It's a literary genre where the story takes place in the past. Funny that. So historical fiction pieces of media capture the details of the time period as accurately as possible for authenticity or verisimilitude, if you will. So this includes social norms, manners, customs, traditions. Many historical fiction stories tell fictional stories that involve actual historical figures or historical events. Okay. So that's what all of our shows do. Now, this is, I'm taking all of this from the masterclass. You know that, that masterclass thing where you can like pay- You can pay to be taught by taught Gordon by, Ramsay. How to yeah, God, exactly right. Who did you pay a lot about historical fiction? Well, this actually, you can just Google. It's just like part of their blurb. I guess is how they try and get you to buy the actual thing. But this Could was actually- Oh my God. Masterclass historical anime fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my masterclass. Uh, no, this is actually Margaret Atwood. This is part of her- Masterclass. Look, that that does check out um, if we're looking at, you know, some famous works from Margaret Ackroyd, such as The Handmaid's Tale. Exactly. Right. She She doesn't actually (laughs) get marks on. She loves, like, Hero Academia. (laughs) Her her masterclass isn't about historical fiction, but it's about writing in general. It's really cool. So historical fiction, as it is now known in contemporary Western literature, dates back to the early 19th century. So Sir Walter Scott is seen as the progenitor of the genre in the West with novels like Ivanhoe, Old Mortality, and Rob Roy. So Leo Tolstoy is another who made the genre popular with his novels like War and Peace and Anna Karenina. 
I'm big. surprised you haven't brought up Toy Story somehow in this podcast. Toy Story. 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 Is story. It's it's Toy Story. It's a that is historical fiction. It's fine. What what differentiates historical fiction from a period piece, right? And this is a little bit nebulous and kind of a bit into nomenclature, I guess. Basically, the major thing is that the story is based on real historical events, but in which the characters are not necessarily real and the minor events may not be historically accurate at all. Many stories in the genre are chiefly characterized by an imaginative reconstruction of historical events or persons. Perfect for what you're talking about. Mm, yeah, true. And mine too. Because we fully had this argument when you pitched the episode. I was like, what does that mean? Like, is it anything that's set in the past? Like, is it anything that's set in a period piece? Because you could then say, like, pretty much most anime pieces, like, more ridiculous would be considered a historical fiction. It's a good question. Fiction, exactly. yeah. But it's not. Exactly right. This is why I actually went and researched the actual definition. We, When I pitched it, I was like, what the fuck does historical fiction mean? I'm like, well, you know, it's like, Shows set in history, and it's like, well, that could be fucking anything. Like, yeah, is we're Kenshin all traveling through time. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kenshin is absolutely historical fiction. No question. It's a fictional character based on real events of history. What the major about? restoration, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> let's play this game where I yell but- historical fiction or not with Gateway to Anime. <laughs> it's the worst game show ever. <laughs> Go through our bat catalog. But no, it's quite interesting. Thing, you know, a lot of war films, obviously historical fiction. You know what I mean? Like pretty much all of them is a good example of what historical fiction. Hang on, what are they like. based on? Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna be my bimbo status for this entire episode. But what if it's literally based on a real event? So say like something like Pearl Dunkirk. Harbor. Dunkirk. Well, again, they're usually that's unless they're telling piece. a dead true story. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, still historical fiction, I don't think right? Pearl Harbor yeah, by Michael Bay was necessarily. <laughs> You're trying to tell me Ben Affleck wasn't at Pearl Harbor. He wasn't there. I'd have been there. But I mean, it's it's about Pearl Harbor, so which did happen. So yeah, that's historical fiction. Perfect example of a historical bad example of a good movie. Good example of the historical fiction you genre. Mean good example of a bad movie. Sorry, good example of a bad movie. Yes, that is that. right. Bad example of a good movie. What? No, a good example of what a bad movie. What are you trying to say here? You're trying to say that that was okay. a good example, but it's a bad movie. Good Just, example. It's a good example a of what, but it's a bad movie. Yes. Yes. That is correct. Unless Why you're just you- really God. into Michael Bay, Ben Affleck. Falling in love. I mean, I'm into Kate Beckinsale, so. Oh, who isn't? She was great back in she the day, is, huh? She's immortal. What yeah. about? She's, she's still like, great. She's like 75 years old. She looks stunning. She's she's actually still looks hot. What's yeah. she done recently? I heaps of, She's actually she's very, very she's successful. She's very prolific, huh? Pete Davidson? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> what? Pete that's yeah, they dated for a bit. <laughs> Who hasn't that guy dated, man? He just broke up with Kim Kardashian, so. Who's like next? I, I is feel it like me? one of us is next. Gateway out of it. You're not safe from Pete Davidson. Okay, so look, five common elements of historical fiction. One, setting. Most important part of the genre, it should take place during an authentic period in history and be set in a real historical place. Number two, plot. A combination of real events and fictional events. The author may invent characters, events, and cities, but they may still make sense to the time period. Characters. They can be real, fictional, or both, but they should all look, speak, and act in ways that accurately reflect the era. Dialogue must be authentic to the time period and should reflect the status of the characters who are speaking. Number five is conflict. The problems the characters encounter should be conflicts people of that era would actually encounter. So those are five of the key elements to make a historical fiction piece. I wonder when someone says like, you know, is Jane Austen historical fiction or a period piece? Well, you're starting to get, starting to blur the lines there. What does that mean? You know, it's kind of like, what no, is it was written period? in the day it was set. So yes. no, it's not. It's, it's a period actually, piece. It's, a, it's, a, it's now a classic, but I think it's a completely Correct. different genre. No, it's exactly ri- right. That is a period piece. Like, it's, I just found that really funny. You forget that these classic authors were writing just in their own time. Pride and Prejudice. She was probably just like, this is a cute romance. Like, you know, enemies to lovers, like trope, haha, like fanfic. It's not fanfic, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that kind of thing. Or it's totally. the basis of many fanfictions. Yeah, yeah. Massively. So. Consider, you know, you write a period piece, disappear piece now to us looking back historically, but it was, yeah, written at the time. 
of the author's context, but then you look at something like Shakespeare, right? Julius Caesar is a piece of historical fiction. It's all relative to the time and context in which something is made. It means it is consciously made in a historical setting to the context of the current author's time of writing it, right? So if you stretch that out, in 100 years, people are going to be looking at Twilight as like some grand masterpiece. It'd be a period piece. It's it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be historical fiction. It actually fiction. is already it's a, like a, it's a real mm. snapshot of what it was like to live in the late, early Naughties. That's an interesting thing you bring up, though, because you know it is like or as time changes. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I mean, I think which that's is a dead. Twilight fan fiction. Well, the yeah. Twilight fan yeah. fiction. The reach that Twilight has, the fucking like the chokehold it had on our. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Books about. Uh, I don't know. I never read it. Uh, Boy, did I read Robert those Pattinson. books. He's yeah. killed it. What happened to Taylor Lautner, though? He disappeared. Oh, yeah. I actually was thinking about him the other day. Weirdly, it popped into my head. I was like, remember Taylor Lautner? I was I mean, like, I'm sure he's fine. This is a very current. <laughs> Podcast with Taylor. No, Kardashians. Like, I know. Pete so Davidson. We're supposed to be talking about history. Let's get back into the history. Like, I was thinking about Pete Davidson the other day, and I was actually like, no, genuinely, I was thinking about okay. it. I went, I can't be certain that he's not one of my ex boyfriends. Like, I can't be sure at this point. Has he dated everyone? Like, I don't know. And I'm like, maybe, I'd, maybe historically, I dated. Historically, in a historical fiction setting. Yeah. So as current as Pete Davidson happens to be, we need to talk about history. So let's talk a little bit about something which is pertinent to everything I just brought up. Decided to do a little bit of a different thing with Graham this time. Because we got you on originally as the manga guy, you know, manga versus comics. I think I was called Manga Boy at one point. Yeah, you were. Like I should... No, it was pa- wasn't it a drawer? A, oh, drawer. a drawer. You were I was a drawer. Also manga Boy. Throw a cape on and fight crime. Yeah, like Ninja Star. Yeah, Ninja Star. People. <laughs> So instead of talking about an anime, because it hasn't been made into an anime, much to many people's chagrin, Graham, why don't you talk to us about your rather influential and extraordinary historical fiction piece of manga? We're going off in a little different direction. Hmm. Gateway to manga, manga corner. But yeah, I'm going to talk about, I think, one of the seminal pieces of manga that's come out in the last 20 years. It was around for a long time. I'm going to talk about Vagabond by Takehiko Inoue, who, if that name sounds familiar to you, I think... Outside of Vagabond, his most well-known work is Slam Dunk. Basketball, anime, juggernaut. 30-year anniversary of the Japanese Basketball League. They literally credited Inoue with being one of the major reasons that basketball was so popular in Japan. Straight up and down. Vagabond started off in 1998 and has been on hiatus since 2015. Mm. Um, And one of the major reasons of that is, I think maybe Inoue is probably burnt out on the medium, but he's he's a full-time basketball coach. Like I did not know that. That's his is, passion. Is That's... that why they were thanking him? Not because of his manga. They were like, thank <laughs> you for being Japan. the greatest coach so of all time. <laughs> Such a good coach. <laughs> yeah, he just, I think he just wanted to follow other passions and one of them just happened to be basketball. So wow. all sort of, which is great. Like, That's um, dope. Yeah, follow your dreams, kids. Um, <laughs> another man who followed his dreams is the main character of this book. So the book is basically about Miyamoto Mushashi, who I, I, I could spend podcasts and podcasts yeah. about going into this history. So I'll just give you like a version. So Mushashi, he lived in the Ito period in Japanese history, which is like 1600s on the, the high times of samurai and shogunai and, you know, feuding Japan, feudal Japan. We'll say feudal Japan. A very real person too, obviously. The manga is, like we said, historical fiction. So it is loosely based on his life. I wouldn't say it's beat for beat. The highlights are there. He's considered as Japan's greatest swordsman. He developed a lot of techniques. He developed his own sort of martial arts using swords and dual wielding swords and all about swords. He's a great, he's a great swordsman of the time period. 
but he's also a renowned philosopher. Sort of the last thing he did is he wrote a series of five books called the uh, Go Rin No Show, which translates to the the Book of the Five Rings. I have read that book actually. Yeah. Fucking, all right, brag. Yeah. <laughs> Humble brag. Okay. Don't worry about it. I also have not. So well, <laughs> it's actually really interesting. I've never read Twilight, so. Um, huh? Yeah. Shame uh, so, on you. <laughs> History will judge yeah, you. I know. Uh, you missed a cultural reset with that one. In 50 years, my grandkids are going to run. We were learning the classics. <laughs> like, this one's going to werewolf. I'm like, oh, damn. No. So I maybe no. read the Book of the Five Rings. Um, so the Book of the Five Rings is it's part philosophy, part martial arts. I think it's, it's called Kenjutsu, which is swordsmanship. So it's basically telling of his life, strat- strategy guide, philosophy it's all these sort of things um, every chapter basically ends with you must practice this every day forever yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah, basically how every chapter <laughs> ends it's like and then you do this and you must practice it every day yeah for the rest of your life and you're like <laughs> you're yeah, cool man like, <laughs> like, yeah, and right, i mate. did so <laughs> that's good. i'm now master sword, so. <laughs> i can do everything <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> Living in the inner west um, of Sydney as a master swordsman. And Lewis, uh, no, I've talked about this manga briefly on that samurai samurai um, ninja episode, but I didn't give it enough credit, which is why we're doing it properly now. But yes, Lewis does. He does own a katana. Did I ever tell you about how I, my friends have a friend who got robbed in his house and he had Ichigo's sword replica behind his bed. The giant. And he grabbed it and he chased the robber out with the Zambakto. And she found the news article. Like it's a fake sword, but he actually grabbed it and chased with a Zengetsu and chased the the intruder out of his house. Are you serious? It's happened in the inner west of Sydney. Like probably ten years ago now, and this guy, this absolute weeb, had a replica sword of yeah. Of, it was his time to shine. Like yeah. he finally, he just went I've been waiting for people to break and use that. Apparently, <laughs> the intruder just legged it, and yeah, he, 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 he knew the power. Like, <laughs> he knew what was He's coming. Like, yeah. Bunk. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> this is the best story I've ever heard. There was a news article. Ten oh. Just <laughs> in the dark, you just see that. So he's probably good. standing in his boxes. I'd be terrified. <laughs> I love that it's just a piece of tin, though. It's like the worst. Oh, like, the oh but you can't take your chances. <laughs> Obviously, the intruder probably didn't think anyone was home, but I like to think he was scared of the song because he knew. I think oh, I like to knew. think that the intruder knew, was also a fellow weeb who was like, whoa. This guy means business. Ichigo is going to fuck me up. I'm out. That's great. Anyway, sorry, yes. Musashi. So Vagabond is pretty much the story of Yamato Musashi. It starts off when he's a young sort of feral child living in the mountains and it sort of like progresses through his entire life as he sort of travels Japan as a ronin facing different martial artists and different dojos and sort of honing his craft. It's sort of about, if you were to boil it down, it's probably about a story about growth in a way. It hasn't ended, but Musashi sort of, is viewed as someone who sort of reached enlightenment through his martial art yeah. sort of background. And it's basically him becoming pretty much from an animal to a man. I can't really boil it down anymore than that. He, he'll, he'll face different masses of disciplines, which will frame his sort of view on the world. He was a dojo breaker, wasn't he? There's stories of Mushashi. I don't know if they're true or not, where he would face off against 60 people by himself. Never um, lost a duel, famously. Never lost a duel. He was also hired by... Shogun at the time to like as a bodyguard. Basically boiling it down, that's what it's about. 
Yes, probably um, the most famous samurai in history. It's about that. The seminal samurai piece, really, outside of Kurosawa and whatnot, but like as far as yeah. most famous samurai and one of the most famous manga. And talk to us a bit about the art style because the art style is quite exquisite, isn't it? So the interesting thing about the artwork, it's good from the jump. Right. So a lot of mangaka, like if you mm. take Berserk for an example, mm. like I own a lot of Berserk, the artwork up until the Golden Age arc, there's, there's like flashes of brilliance. There's some awesome really shit sort of stuff thrown in there. Like when he's drawn as a child, it's horrendous. But Inoue is like such a master of what he does that it is good right from the beginning. And then he just experiments as he goes on. Inoue, unlike a lot of manga cars at the time where they would use G pens, which are like really fine line pens, he would use um, menso brushes. So right. like almost calligraphy brushes, which are incredibly hard to use. Musashi was a calligrapher himself, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 So the Menso brush is basically like a big, loose paintbrush. You can do really fine detail with it, but you can also do like thicker lines. Um, Inoue was saying that it's um, the reason he liked to do that is it added an unpredictable sort of element to his line work. It looked more natural. It looked more raw. When you're doing strands of hair, like it can be wild. It can be free. Be natural because these lines are never going to be the same. Yeah, so the artwork is it's it's stunning. I think that's what kind of grounds it because you actually feel like you are in feudal Japan. Like everyone is so detailed, everyone is so nuanced. And then when he wants to shine and he wants Mushashi to appear more animalistic or wild, then he's got that brush technique, that style to make it seem ferocious. The artwork, I, I don't think that. I mean, Kentaro when he's clips and he's that stuff. Yeah. That's that's you know, probably the best, but I think for sort of a realistic sort of grounded storytelling with incredibly detailed characters and facial expressions, I think Inoue's might be a bit better. Really? I think so. Is it one of your favorite art styles of any manga you've ever seen? Yeah. I like a clean sort of artwork. Yeah. I like precise lines, but even when he's using the menso brush and it is a bit wilder and a bit thicker, there's still like, there's a master at work there. It feels like a structure to it, but it also feels very natural. Yeah, I'd, I'd be hard pushed to find someone who has mastered that art form from a character just drawing people. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if there's anyone better. Any Is this story the too? reason like, why it hasn't been kind of like adapted in a successful way for anime? I would say there's probably, yeah, probably because it would. Just I the think detail. Detail. But I think there's other reasons. I think when you, because we are talking about historical fiction and you're talking mm. about younger people, they wouldn't click this link. It's kind of, it's in the same sort of vein. Like how do you market like an epic like that to a younger audience? Because you're not going to have like, you know, there's not going to be plushies and mushashi. <laughs> Sorry. Like, there's just there not. should be. I mean, That's yeah. a very good point. That's a strong point. But it's also just, it's a harder thing to generate money from. Yeah, and it's a seinen, obviously. Yeah, it's a seinen. It's, it's an adult yeah. story. I would have said probably about maybe 10 years ago, I'd be like, you can't do it. The art style but I think we've we've come a long way and there's the biggest complaint about the kingdom adaptation is that they haven't been able to replicate the mm. the detail of the the battles apparently well, is like I'm glad you just brought up another very famous historical fiction manga and anime now it's funny you talk well, quickly um, this isn't one of our three but like something we should talk about quickly but it's set in China actually but I tried to watch the first episode of kingdom because I was like famously with kingdom stunning manga mm. stunning and like those who are still watching Kingdom, like season four is out right now, actually, as we speak. It's in the summer 2022 Huge season. Following. Huge, Huge following. following. Those who know froth on it, right? Apparently the story is extraordinary. But I tried to watch the first episode. It is so 
unfathomably bad. Like I'm <laughs> right. talking animation style, and it's famously so. Like that, it gets better. Apparently now it actually looks quite good. Not not the same level of the manga, but like it just looks. I couldn't. It was like it's CGI. That that CG you know 2D thing. Honestly, I was watching the first episode and it literally started. And I, I actually went, <laughs> what? Like <laughs> I couldn't believe how bad it looked. Right. And I was like, no, 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 you just got to push through that first season. I was like, this is actually offensive. I think it's interesting. All of those, uh, the biggest criticism that people tend to have are from the mangas that are the most highly regarded for their beautiful illustrations mm. and details. So like, as we are saying, Berserk, uh, Kingdom, those animation, anime, I mean, I'm talking about Berserk when they redid it, not the original, which mm. is, you know, how dare you bring up that? That's great. 97 so, version sick. Very, very good. You know, it's, it's unfair of us to expect that level of, you know, detail from a production house that already probably have six animes on the go and are getting paid a minimum wage. Like we talk about this, it's not exactly and great it's, condition. It's also interesting when you see the in reverse, right? Like when Kanetsu no Yeba, Demon Slayer, right? Decent manga, but my God, what you Photobull have done to elevate that. Even Jujutsu Kaisen, I would argue. Also, a perfect example of a mangaka who got better as it went along is obviously... Isayama, Attack on Titan. Uh, it starts off pretty rogue, mm. and but the story is there. Pretty, uh, it's brilliant, and yeah. also Wit Studio. Ele- I would argue they elevated that massively in the first three seasons I for sure. So I'm a, and as this happens when I read webtoons and memoirs and manga and anything, I'm not because I'm not from an art, as in like from a visual art background. I can appreciate when something looks good and I like it, but it's actually not on my top things that I look for. I know a lot of people mm. watch anime and go like, if the art style's not good, or if they go like it's lazy. Look at like Naruto's lazy. Like oh, yeah. they'll spend like they'll blow the budget yeah. on a fight, and then there'll be like you know a classic like exposition scene where it's just the background or a bird flying, and they're like, "Here's the storyline." <laughs> it's like a mouth flap over here, and I'm like, "I don't care." But I, mean, I was watching it with um, a friend of mine, and they were like, "I can't handle that kind of animation." Right. Like, and I go on, if I could expect. I mean, you get things like Arcane that are flawless the whole way through, yeah. and you know, um, Demon's Slayer, all that stuff mm. that, are, that now are. But um, to me, it's not high on my priority list. So as interesting probably is high on yours as someone as a who drawer, has- As a drawer, it's 100%. Yeah, as a drawer. Yeah, is that like one- Because I'd be willing to overlook bad art for a good story any day <sighs> of the week. Yeah, I'm sorry. I would absolutely take that. No. No? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's actually- well, That's yeah. incredibly I feel like, but well. that's the beauty of anime. Like I read a lot of Jujutsu Kaisen, but I, I like the anime more because it mm. is- it's more visually interesting. It is, yeah. Colors as well, of course. Yeah, color, color, like a huge color, difference. Of color, yeah. color grading, yeah. But then I've read all of Naruto as well, and I really like Naruto's art style. And I think the manga was uh, the sorry, not the manga. The anime is pretty good. Yeah. Like, oh, there's some. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's some oh. moments. I think it's probably easier with pretty good shonen. Too. I think shonen stuff translates a lot easier. Mm. Um, seinen stuff. From sounds of things, like I mean, I've read a bit of Vagabond, and yeah, it's just you're right. It's it's the it's it's the artistic vision that he's employing with, I don't know if it's the same style of brush that Musashi would have used. Probably they've obviously gotten better over time and whatnot, but it's similar. You know what I mean? Like, be, so that, I that's know. a whole, yeah. that's just a really aesthetic choice that, you know, yeah. is using. Uh, yeah. It's a very artistic choice. You know what I mean? That's well, very interesting. A lot of that's done in computers now. Oh, exactly right. Like it's all digital, so it's kind of lost. I mean, mm. you have brushes on thing, but it's night and day. Yeah. Like obviously it is a high bar to jump to translate it into an anime, but I think you could get away with it. I just don't know if it was financially it to, feasible. It would have to be Ufotable yeah. or Ufo yeah. Table or like, or Wit or something. Yeah, it's, it's 350 chapters. Yeah, fuck. It's, it's on hiatus. It's a historical fiction. Like, it's, <laughs> you um, can't make any money out of historical <laughs> fiction. I just, I just don't. We'll see. I just don't think it is. It's, this is our bet. We break through in this episode. That's the problem. <laughs> this episode is what actually makes I us Spotify alive. Yeah. Thank God. Like, we're offering I you a deal. You. 
Sorry. Um, I don't know. I think it could be done. <laughs> it would take a lot of people making no money. Yes. Yeah, well, that's you always know, the case, unfortunately, in the anime You industry. would need seasons upon seasons. and Yeah. I don't even think anime is kind of gearing towards that anymore. Like I think when you look at Demon Slayer, they're shorter seasons, they're higher production. Yeah, I was I was amazed when when Demon Slayer, because I was reading the manga when it ended. I was like, oh, oh, you ended it. Yeah. Oh wow! I thought you'd drag this out for like five more years, but uh, no. I also, respect that. I respect it too. Absolutely. Tell a story. Get not out of the way, a great yeah. ending, but better than Attack on Titans. Also, the new obviously seasonal anime <laughs> is now a thing. Uh, before yes, when we yes, were yes. a bit younger, it was like anime that was ongoing continuously, yeah, like constant, Naruto, yeah. constantly going. Um, and the last one that I kind of from there's heaps that still do that. I'm not like mm. don't at me. I know, but I mean like the bigger shows don't do that anymore. The last one to do it was um. Black Clover, Black Clover Black which Clover. actually, again, as I've said before, they caught up to the source material and they went, let's stop so we can wait for more material. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I mean, you're going to invent a whole anymore. new storyline yeah, that's yeah. not canon <laughs> and ruin everything. Uh, those were the days. Anyway, let's move on to something else. I'm going to talk about a show that is, I think, rather criminally underrated. And speaking of some interesting uh, animation choices, I'm going to talk about Golden Kamui. Golden Kamui is a manga series written and illustrated by Satoru Noda and was first serialized in Shueisha's Seinen Manga Magazine and Weekly Shonen Jump from August 2014 up until when it finished, just in April 2022. So not long ago. First three seasons were produced by Geno Studio. The first season ran from 2018 to 2020 and the fourth season will air next, next season, which will be fall 2022, a part of the glut of extraordinary animes which will be airing in fall 2022. That's going to be a banging season. I can't wait to do that roundup episode. The last one was like, over the bottom of the fucking barrel. This next one's like, there's too many. It's extraordinary. Anyway, this is one of them. If you want to catch up, now is the time to get started. It's actually being taken over by uh, Brains Base, who have done Bacano, Inspector, To Your Eternity, and my teen comedy Snafu. Oh, all bangers. Yeah. No, so, so I actually think this will actually elevate now that this is a new If you ever seen Bacano, you need to watch Bacano it. Bacano looks amazing. It's so good. I tried to argue it was historical fiction. Bacano. And Charlotte told me that it wasn't. It kind of is. It's, it's on the borderline. It's just set in a, in a time period, but it's not like. It's, yeah. It's, and it's fantasy. Yeah. There's yeah, like it's not immortality based off real events, and so like, like there's not actually in a. There wasn't it like is, a heist. It's a historical period piece, it's I suppose, piece. but it's a period fantasy piece. So, yes, you're right. It's not. It's not. Good and that's that. when we started arguing about like what historical fiction actually yeah. meant, which is why I went and did that research. Because, no, you're right. It's not historical fiction. But what is Golden Kamui about? So, Golden Kamui takes place in the aftermath of the Russo Japanese War. Historical fiction. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Buzz, buzzword. You knocked that one out of the park, didn't you? There it is, everyone. <laughs> Primarily set in the Hokkaido region, which is obviously the North Island of Japan, and those surrounding. The series details the many real-life political, technological, and cultural developments of the era. Several key parts of the series, like the character Hijikata Toshizoro, Toshizo, are fictionalized versions of real-life people and events. Hijikata was actually the former vice commander of the Shinsengumi, who were a special police force who served the Tokugawa shogunate and fought on their behalf during the Boshin War. This story gives specific focus to the Ainu people and their culture, exploring their language and the way they utilize all parts of nature to live harmoniously with the land. Kind of, it's very, it's very much an indigenous kind of, not dissimilar to Aboriginal Australians' belief and Native American Indian belief, where it's all about harmony with the land. Living with nature, know? and yeah, and like I think Shinto. 
elements of Shinto kind of it gets a bit amalgamated, but we'll talk about that later. They live harmoniously with the land and they thank the Kamui that they believe provide for them. So later parts of the story explore the various subcultures within the Ainu people and the hardships they suffered being caught between the territorial conflicts between Russia and Japan. The show also explores the horror of war, examining such themes as PTSD, survivor's guilt, virtues, ethics, and honor. The story follows Saichi Sugimoto, a veteran of the Battle of 203 Hill, where he earned the nickname the Immortal Sugimoto, due to his ferocity and the fact that he cheats death at seemingly every turn. Post-war, Sugimoto finds himself panning for gold in Hokkaido in order to fulfill his promise to provide for his dead war comrade's widow and child. Whilst panning, he is approached by a drunk old man who spins him a tall tale of lost Ainu gold that can only be found by following a map of tattoos, which are located on the bodies of a group of prisoners who escaped Abashiri prison. Laughing off the story is ridiculous. Sugimoto wakes up the next day to find the old man pointing his gun at him, saying he said too much. Overpowering the old man, Sugimoto pursues him into the woods, only to find him disemboweled by a bear with a large map tattooed across his torso. Prison break? Kind of. Actually, yeah. No, yeah. No, it's yes. actually, you yeah. know, they probably. Oh. Anyway, the bear then attacks Sugimoto and he is saved by an Anu girl named Asirpa. It's a tough one to pronounce. A S I R P A. Asirpa. Sugimoto realizes the story is true and suggests to Asipa that they pursue the gold together. Asipa is interested in the gold, but wants vengeance for her father, who was one of the Ainu miners killed in the acquisition of said gold. So examining the body, they realize that the tattoos have seams, meaning that the prisoners were always intended to be murdered and skinned. It's pretty grim. So due to Asipa's aversion to killing, she suggests they try and cooperate with the prisoners by convincing them to trace their tattoos when they come meet up with them. They soon recruit Shirashi, an escape artist, thief, and convict who has been tattooed. Sukumoto and his ragtag group find themselves embroiled in a conflict with various parties who are also hell-bent on retrieving the gold. Primarily, the insane First Lieutenant Surumi, who's a great character, the insane leader of the 7th Division, who wished to use the gold to gain independence for Hokkaido from the mainland under Japanese control, and wage war against Russian territories. They basically want the Russo-Japanese war to keep going and gain independence. Also, the aforementioned Hijikata, touted as the last living samurai. So, due to the significant allure of the gold, as well as the duplicitous nature of the various parties, each group routinely forms uneasy alliances, which almost always end in betrayal, and they all vie to collect the tattoos that will lead them to the gold. Such a good premise. It's edgy. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. It's an edgy show. You know, just the nature of like, ah, oh, so you got to kill and skin all these people and put put it together to create a fucking skin map. That's like so- flesh <laughs> atlas. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Saying it out loud. I back it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Honestly, it's actually really, I, I really like this show. Now, I will say the first season's a bit stodgy with the animation. The bear. The bear is awful, man. The bear, the bear is awful. The first time he's in the bear, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, That's a- what does it look like? Is it like a two, yeah, like yeah. pixelated? Oh, no. Like it's like the bear from Tekken. Like. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even doesn't even look bad. Salmon, like, yeah. It looks oh so God. bad. It's so funny. Like I remember being like, "Oh, what the fuck's happening? Is this a joke?" I actually thought it was a joke. I was like, "This can't actually be happening." Like, so just like, draw a bear. A bit like just draw a bear. Draw a bear. It can't be that expensive. Yeah. Like, anyway, oh, so- sorry, we've blown our bear budget. <laughs> 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 bear budgets been blown. It is so funny. 
So like, it's a bit like what people say with Kingdom, except Kingdom all looks bad. It's just this one it's element one of bear. the first season of Don Kamui where it's like, what happened with the bear? But look, it's actually really, really cool. The, the characters are fascinating. They're so interesting. Like I said, it's violent. It's violent. It's edgy as fuck. I'm that like, opening is pretty violent when you see him in the- Oh, in the war. war it's, it's hectic. Piles of bodies. It is hectic. Like, but the immortal Sugimoto is a great lead character too because yeah. he's a fucking psycho. But the beautiful part of it is that like him and Arsipa actually have this really lovely relationship and it never gets creepy. It's never weird, thank God, which, you know, in some other animes it probably would. You saw the bear and you were like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all down here. What's going to happen next? But it's like it, they become very much a father-daughter kind of, you know, pseudo relationship and he actually really cares for her and yeah. she, you know, it's, and it's Is like, he like the grizzly guy yeah, and she's like, like the young girl? Yeah, is yeah. it like Logan? Yeah, actually, yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah in fact, 100% yes. That is a real trope and a good it one. It is. That, it's a good one. Like think about Eleven from Stranger Things. 100%. And, like, and Hopper. And Hopper. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually a real trope. Yeah, damaged oh, it is. man. Damaged grizzly, like, like yep. taking a young girl under his wing in a non-creepy. Yeah. It's it's actually like, I I really enjoyed this show. I, along with Kaguya-sama when I was sick with COVID, I smashed both of these both these shows. And like after I got over the bear, which took me a while, I was like- <laughs> Just you in a fever dream. And also the because Kaguya-sama Kaguya is so beautifully animated. Oh, the stakes are like not high. No, exactly. And yet you're dealing with like, you're skidding and <laughs> war <laughs> and a bear. And you're like- Samurais what and like Russo-Japanese war. Yeah. And like, it's really cool. But also I just want to quickly talk about the Ainu people because I was actually fascinated. And a lot of the shows- we, what. A lot of people both criticize and praise about this show is that it kind of its its tone is all over the shop. So sometimes it's like hectic war, like skinning fucking people and putting them together to create a map. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. Fucking <laughs> random bears, which look like the most terrible things you've ever seen. But then also it goes half of it's like when Asirpa is um she's obsessed with eating brains, loves animal brains, loves eating them, and it's a big running joke. It's like. Super, how does that taste? She's like, the brain tastes nice with salt. And like, <laughs> just deadpan. Straight. Just the deadpan. She lives for it. The amount of times that like they all sit around together and make what would be a traditional Ainu mm. people meal out of like, they sort of use every part yeah, of the animal the or that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really cool. The Ainu, there aren't many Ainu people left at all. In fact, it's quite a sad right. story. I'll get into this quickly. But like basically from what I understand, they actually got a an academic to, I'm not sure if they're Ainu or not, but to consult with the mangaka about the, you know, verisimilitude of the Ainu people customs, right? Mm. So a lot of it is really, sometimes you're like, am I watching an actual history show about the Ainu people? Like sometimes it just flips into that. You're like, where's the, where's the skinning? Um, where's the bear? <laughs> where's the bear? <laughs> Bring him back. Um, no, it's, it's, it's so, it's totally does kind of shift all over the place, but like, no, I, ben, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Gentle <laughs> <laughs> Ben. Ben is in the show. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that's really funny. Um, but let's talk about the Ainu people real quick before we move on. But like, so I learned so much just from watching this show. But Ainu people are the indigenous people of the lands surrounding the Sea of Okhotsk before the arrival of the Yamato Japanese. And the Yamato Japanese are whatever the first clan that was officially set up on the mainland of Japan and widely regarded as the first and only dynasty that Japan's ever had. So, and also the Russians, of course, all around that sort of area between Japan, northern islands of Japan, Hokkaido. So these regions are referred to as Izo in historical Japanese texts. So official estimates place the total Ainu population of Japan at 25,000 today. Unofficial estimates place the total population at 200,000 or higher as 
The near total assimilation of the Ainu into Japanese society has resulted in many people of Ainu descent having no idea of their ancestry at all. As of 2000, the number of pure Ainu people was estimated to be about 300 people. And in 1966, there were about 300 native Ainu speakers. And in 2008, only 100. So, like, it's pretty nice. brutal. It's a pretty brutal history. In fact, Hiromu Arakawa from Fullmetal Alchemist, she based, she's from Hokkaido. She based the Ishvalans off, off the Ainu people. All right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. that's that's kind of the, the influence there. Yeah. yeah, Ainu means human in Ainu language, and Kamui means gods, divine beings. So gold and Kamui, like gold of the gods, right? The Ainu also identify themselves as Utari, which is comrade or people. So they were a hunter-gatherer society, uh, surviving from hunting and fishing, followed a religion which was based on natural phenomena, as I said. In 1869, Japan annexed Tokaido, and in 1899, they forced the assimilation and took all their lands. And it's pretty brutal, actually. Like, it's a pretty, like I said, there's like 100, 300 left, you know what I mean, like officially. And so many people have no clue if they have Ainu lineage or what. Again, what I love about the show is that it's just like unashamedly, like, this is the history of the Ainu people. I really like the show. It has some fucked up parts. I'm not going to lie. Obviously, it's already told you the fucking premise is fucked up. And there are some parts which are like, dip a bit too far I think so three or four episodes I was like oh no I don't know if I can do the show anymore then it, they got rid of that character thank god and it moved forward and I was like okay this is actually a really cool I don't know I am really looking forward to season four it left on a real cliffhanger at the end of season three and it keeps changing again everyone changing alliances all the time and everyone's like every character's got these really interesting backstories which you're not sure about and it's like a, an onion which keeps getting peeled back I love Golden Kabuki apart from some of the flaws i think it's a great show you should check it out and a great case of historical fiction and you learn a lot about the Ainu people which i knew next to nothing yeah. about yeah uh, i literally have just learned a lot then and i'm going to watch it for sure oh, it's because real, you'd like it i think i wonder if there's any many other anime that explore that history i don't not. know of it no. yeah it's interesting mm. Charlie, why don't you bring us home with yours which is actually outside of japan it is wow we've got mm. a non-japanese historical fiction I mean, so is Bakuno, if you were going to do that one. <laughs> if I was uh, going to, yes. Yeah, there you go. Um, actually, there's a lot of anime that's not set in Japan. We, tons. Tons and tons of tons. You go, you've got Monster, which is set in Germany. You've got- Oh, massive. There, there, there is, <laughs> there's a theorist called Koichi Iwabuchi who has this theory of cultural odorlessness, which is that a lot of Japan's, unlike American cultural products, tend to be what he describes as culturally odorless. Now, mm. we will- unpack that in our nature of fandom episode but it's quite an interesting thing because a lot of american cultural the reason america has dominance of culture cultural hegemony or hegemony if you will is because a lot of it is them parading their way of life to the world it's actually a form of soft power which they project onto the world right japan is a bit more interesting i think in that a lot of what they do isn't actually promoting their way of life it's actually very critical yeah. even if you look at something like um studio ghibli right even though it's very Japanese, mm. always set heavily, not always, so there's a lot of Porco Rosso. Obviously, yeah, Porco you Rosso. Know, mm. There's many of them, but Princess House Mononoke and, and whatnot, whatever, you know, House of Castle, also European style, but like heavily set in Japan, but it's very critical of where Japan is going. And quite interestingly, uh, Werner Herzog is actually doing a documentary on that, I can't remember his name, but he was like famously the last man fighting World War II. They found him on an island somewhere. Oh, been yeah. There for, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been there for 30 odd years or something, just living in the jungle, still fighting World War II on his own. Very Japanese. But he returned to Japan after, you know, they found it's him. We're like, yeah, similar, bro, yeah. it's done. Don't worry about it. Oh, my God. It. Come so out of here. awful. But it was a fascinating story. And he went to Japan and was shocked, shocked 
by the society it had become. You know what I mean? And that's a common story of Japan. It's that constant, and obviously with the Ainu people here, like that the the nature between um, the connection to the land and and modernity, which was kind of forced upon them. Was well, the they, fastest they, modernization in history? Exactly right. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. Anyway, I've I've diverged, but like it's um interesting topic, and I think. When you consider the cultural illicitness, I don't think it's like most theories are not all correct, but there's elements of it which are, and again, so many times we see manga and anime making things set in Europe or ambiguous, Attack on Titan. Oh, yeah, Attack on Titan. Very European. Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. Like, it's kind of- 100%. It's really interesting concept the to na- break down. The nature of like comic books as well, or like anything animated or like, you know, look at Airbender, which is a Western thing. It's clearly yeah, 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 inspired yeah. by, it's not like, it's clearly inspired by many different places. Oh, absolutely. Kind of, I think that that sort of- Goes hand in hand with. Yet Marvel's very American. Yes, of course. Yeah. And DC as well, you know, like. Yeah, whereas a lot of other mediums. Well, are, it's American mythology at this point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Gods. It's the gods of yeah, American mythology. 100%. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so I'm going to talk about something that is goes in and out of fashion, I think, in terms of what people are into. Uh, it's very much in fashion currently. Yes. Uh, and I, you know what? I think Vinland Saga, which is what I'm talking about, which explores Vikings. Um, might have something to do with that as well. I think mm-hmm. that also that we have actually, just going to plug it for a second, but a really great video on YouTube about Vinland Saga and The Northman, which is a great blockbuster film that just got released quite recently mm-hmm. and the similarities between them. And that goes into like, you know, just like why they're similar, why they're popular. Like it's actually, it's it's pretty, it's pretty good stuff. So check that one out. But anyway, Vinland Saga is an anime adaptation of a very famous manga, once again, uh, animated by Wit Studio, who uh, famously... Very, very fucking good at what they do. Season two is being um, animated by the, uh, honestly, the rival to Wit currently, yeah, which is Snapper, who are- Opposite ideology it. though, who do everything, whereas Wit are like, enough. Wit are famous for dropping huge IPs. Like yeah. they're kind of like, we did season one, it was really good, we're going to do this other thing now. And you're like, what? Anyway, so Vinland Saga is a, definitely a historical fiction. Oh, yes. Like 100%. Although it is, it does follow actual historical figures. Um, similar mm-hmm. to Vagabond. Yeah, yeah. So just a very, very vague synopsis, which I'm going to give, is um, Thorfinn pursues a journey with his father's killer in order to take revenge and end his life in a duel as an honourable warrior and pay his father homage. And then, yeah, basically that is it. So and then the other one is a young man named Thorfinn finds himself in a quest for revenge against his father's killer. Mm-hmm. So very concise. that's an absolute <laughs> spoiler of very the first concise. three episodes or five episodes. Yes. But I think it's pretty obvious when you watch it. Thorfinn is a... Just getting started, obviously. True story. Uh, Vinland, Vinland Saga, as I would say, is about North. To find out. <laughs> is North America. So we're following real Vikings. So Vikings, obviously, as you were saying, Vikings mean literally translates like to take that kind of Scandinavian. Yeah, like, it's you go, you go Viking. The verb. It's a, right? it's a yeah. loose term for Scandinavians that went out into marauding, exploring, yeah. marauding, mm. pillaging, stuff. marauding. So we're dealing with a bunch of characters who are ruthless, you know, pillaging, raping, full on, like, and it doesn't shy away from this. So trigger warnings, content, actually all three shows, obviously content warning here. Because history's, you know, it's interesting, not fun a lot of the time. Absolutely not. Pretty brutal. We have a brutal history, people. Just going to peel the man's back. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So one thing, Vinland Saga takes place and it kind of, it spans a bit of a wide storyline with our main character, Thorfinn, who you meet um, you meet when he's a kid with his father, who is a great Viking warrior, mm. famed, but has run away from his life to start a family in a small island 
Not a small Iceland, island. It? It's Iceland. So we're somewhere where it's like, it's not small, but it's fucking cold. And yeah. he's just like, no one's going to come here because, you know, you can't really, like, honestly, they arrive by boat. They're Vikings, um, you know. <laughs> but it ain't easy. <laughs> but it's not no, easy. Not so one day he's tracked down and his, like, past catches up with him and his father agrees to go and fight a war there with England. For the king. Yeah. yeah, for the king. They're fighting with the king of Denmark against the king of England. He agrees to go under the pretense they'll leave his small quaint village alone, right? Mm. Uh, but let us know his little son, Thorfinn, has snuck his way onto the ship. That's scam. That cl- a classic move. Classic, classic move. Standard. It's going to end in tears. We all know it. Anyway, I'm going to spoil it because, honestly, if you watch it, like it's just I think it's pretty obvious from when you turn it on. You're like, oh, I wonder if this lovely Viking man is going to die. <laughs> yeah, he- he's going to die. He's a father and an anime. Of course yeah. he's not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> And he's like found peace, you know, of course yeah. not. Like yeah. he's, he's but seen the error of his way. That's a setup. So the very first part of the season is actually, you know, kind of like just a background for what the main part of season one is about, which is the relationship between Thorfinn and Askeladd, who is the killer of Thorfinn's father. Um, and fuck, it's an interesting relationship because he has respect. It's, it's a it's a mucky one. And like he is. <laughs> it is a mucky Askeladd one. Askeladd is much. like a classic, like. You sort of like why do I like him? Oh, everyone likes him. Yeah, like you're kind of like, oh no, like sucks. He's just a completely like, you know, one of those characters who is absolutely corrupt as fuck. Oh. Manages to lead this thing, but he's charismatic and smart and calculative and plays the game very well. So he's the kind of anti-hero, not hero, he's an anti, like, I don't know, he's a He's like a pretty much a protagonist. He's sort of a deuteragonist, yeah. Yeah, he's, um, deuteragonist. 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 What a word. Good word. Yeah, good one, yeah. He's, uh, he's an interesting character. Uh, look, the whole first season really is predicated around the relationship between Thorfinn and Askeladd because this kind of becomes his father, mm. but also, like, he hates the fuck out of him because he killed his real father. And, like, he's also got his own agenda. We can't spoil any of that, but, like, he's a very interesting character within the political system of of the Vikings and the king and and whatnot. And it's, like, it's a really good show. It's it's And the second season is about to come out. Um Looking good, everyone. Now, what's interesting here as well, both your shows have these huge arcs. The next one in the season two is what many people refer to as farmland saga in Vinland Saga, where basically won't spoil much, but he spends a lot of time on a farm. Not doing very much. Only enough, the last arc in Vagabond is farmland as well. Exactly. He goes and helps a village plant trees. Incredibly important. I kind of like it when... Anime does this, or manga does this, or Japanese storytelling kind of slows the pace. Yeah, on a on a really like, you know, hectic show and all the stuff going on, and they just go, let's start back. It, let's, let's get slice of life for a minute here. It's quite interesting, and, and like it makes I say, the Kimuri does the same sort of thing with the you know them just hunting things and talking about cooking. Yeah. Like it's it really yeah. makes the impacts of when big things do happen, which they do. All three shows are talking about are dealing with wars, so yeah. you have if you had just that all the time, you wouldn't have a chance to like. Realize what people are fighting for. All three of them are based off famous manga that can take the chapters to do that. And I yeah. think the anime hopefully will follow suit. Like it's hard with pacing. That's like the biggest kind of problem yeah. when adapting yeah, yeah. from a manga. But um, Vinland Saga, though, it just looks beautiful. The characters are amazing. There's also a really interesting relationship with the uh, the king, uh, the king of Denmark's son. Yes, Knut. Knut, who is like. On, upon sight, you're like Griffith. Like, yeah, okay. he does that's, like a, that's a berserk reference. Not like him. Not though. even slightly like Griffith, but you're kind of <laughs> like, what is this like relationship where like with the, yeah, there's a, the characters are all really well fleshed out. Yeah. I love Thorkel. He's my favorite. 
Oh, Thorkel's lit. Thorkel's lit. Character. Like this huge, like, like the ultimate warrior. But like, well, uh, Thorfinn's father was the ultimate warrior, and Thorkel was like his. Thorkel like idolized Thors. Yeah. And, and also yeah, his, he's his, a real person. Thorkel's a real character. And his history. entire like his entire character drive is just that he wants to fight the strongest opponent. Yeah. That classic is anime. Thing, classic trope. anime. Yeah, classic. But like it's very fun to watch that unfold because you're kind of like, why is he siding with England? Yeah, he starts off against the Vikings because he's bored. Yeah. He was, just like, he was like, we're gonna win, so yeah. I'm gonna fight with the other yeah, side. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, it's great. Look, I, I I loved Vinland Saga. I, I When it came out, I was all about it. It's Again, it's one of those shows you can recommend to people who aren't into anime. Honestly, it's a great gateway. And I was saying it's, it actually isn't even – doesn't have many anime tropes at all. If I was going to recommend a bunch of things to people, I, w- I would say if you like action, or if you like Viking things, obviously. Like but the like, show Vikings. If you love Vikings, you like Northmen. Like if you are kind of into that, even like Game of Thrones, I would say close. Yeah, absolutely. Like that kind of – action, character development, like big thinking war, like kind of epic. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think that most people would like it even if you're not into anime for sure. I think I, I forgot that I reckon that now is might be like number two on my list of things I'd recommend, even above Attack on Titan, which still has anime tropes in it yeah. pretty hardcore. Yeah, that's true. I think you have to wrap your head around a lot. I think Vinland Saga, there's not really a fantasy element. I no. mean, yes, you've got big warriors who lift entire boats and throw yeah, them. Yeah, people right. do ridiculous things. Like you're like, there's no okay. superpowers. Yeah, there are yeah. people who are way stronger than any human beings ever been in the history yeah, of the world. It's, but, it's heightened, but <laughs> like. Apart from that. Yeah, but they're not shooting fireballs. And yeah, shit. They're not turning into giant monsters. Definitely yeah. heightened, but it's yeah. not fantasy. And yes. I think that it, I, you, know, you learn a lot. Like, I learned that Vinland is North America. <laughs> I learned that Iceland history, is Iceland. Uh, so there you go. History. But also just the war between the like Vikings, Scandinavian Vikings in England. Like most most of the royal family have lineage back to the Danes. Like the Vikings basically took that place. Like mm. they really dominated the shit out of historically, uh Denmark and the Vikings, they, they smashed in England, man. Like oh, yeah. it's like crazy. Like it's really interesting. I didn't you know, and I'm like, spoiler alert, because I history. Um that's the problem with this show. So you're like, oh no, the spoiler for history. Like, oh, history. But yeah, obviously like thinking about how the whole show is about the promise of going to Vinland, that like they're talking about that. And obviously, the Vikings didn't really take over that for long. No. So I'm like, where's the lack of, the lack of success story there? Which is good, <laughs> I think. Uh, I'm kinda like <laughs> probably a good thing. But I mean God, someone else got there, so fucking yeah. Yeah, so uh, there right going now. Now. yeah, I'm like, well, no, I'm not saying no, everyone should have left it alone is what I'm saying. But yeah, I think yeah, um, I it is an interesting, like, yeah, historically you're kind of like, all right, cool, this is something I didn't know a lot about. You know, my idea yeah. of Vikings is very much set in a fantasy setting. Things like Thor and, you know, that kind of yeah. like that. Well, story. Odin, you know, was actually someone they literally believed in, you know. We talk about this in our video, actually, you can look up on YouTube. And we talk about on Titan and the influence oh. from Norse mythology quite intensely Big and how well. that is hugely influenced by it. So, Massively. Yeah. But, um, yeah, honestly, Vinland Saga is a truly excellent show that I would recommend. Uh, Wit Studio, Smash Other Park. Mapper will do a good job as well. They will. If they haven't got too much on their bloody plate. <sighs> Who knows with Mapper? Mapper, man. <laughs> Never ends. What a grind. They're like, more is Every more. Show. Yeah. Every show. so many shows. What well, the- they're doing the big three. What are they called? The Dark Trinity? Dark Trinity. They're doing yeah. all three, aren't they? Yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen, which, Chainsaw. by the way, they smashed. They smashed Jujutsu Kaisen. Hell's Paradise. Hell's put Paradise them on the map, coming out. I'd but say. also. They put them on the mapper. Oh. But also, Chainsaw Man, at the time we're recording this podcast, the uh, trailer came out oh, just a little while ago. 
Oh, it looked good. So good. It looked really good. I hope it looks that good throughout the show. Some um, random bears just coming. <laughs> <and everything. laughs> no, Ben. No. What are some other historical fiction anime that you'd recommend? Good historical fictions. I mean, hang on. Would you say Fate Zero? Because they they bring up some. Look, they myths. They mythology. They myths. You can't call historical. Fiction. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> they, um, they're basically Pokemon World's Greatest. <laughs> Warriors. Pokemon historical <laughs> fiction, Pokemon gacha story. game yeah. as well. Like, I mean, which it actually got some, yeah. some of the warriors are based on. They're all based, they're on, all based, based on, on real things. things. But, um, yeah, but they're about just, summoning fantasy warriors had, to fight for the Holy yeah. Grail. Which has, is you can't prove to me that that didn't happen. I'm sorry. I suppose I should. The burden of proof is on me. God, there's going to be a whole list of things that we're forgetting. Oh, there's so many. There's like uh, there's a lot of anime. Well, that Rooney Kenshin is absolutely historical. Absolutely. Oh, like, how would you feel about Samurai Champloo? Because that is based on like that's a tough one because it's oh, not. Yeah. You, one of your points I thought about this. One of your points was that people have to interact and speak like they are from the yeah. era, which yep. they do not do in Samurai no, Champloo. They're breakdance fighting. But Ooh. the rest of it is <laughs> set yeah, very yeah, much, it and it's not like necessarily that fantasy. Heavy. That's a borderline one, actually. That's yeah. A good, that's yeah. a good. That's a good shout. You know, I, I laid out all the points before about what constitutes historical fiction, but like there are some some things that blur the lines. You know what I mean? Like Gintama is obviously a, a not yeah. a historical fiction show, but kind it has elements of it. Take the aliens out. Take the it. aliens out. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's a metaphor for for Japan being invaded yeah, yeah. by the West, right? So like there are elements there, but it's certainly not, you could never call it a historical fiction show, obviously. But like it is based in elements of history, but. No, it's not historical. There's probably some huge anime staring us right in the face as well. Yeah, obviously, I think we've covered three pretty big, heavy hitting Mm. historical fiction shows. And something to read for once. Yeah, something to read. Read books, kids. (laughs) Read the book. Study history and read books, (laughs) goddamn. Get off your TikTok. I study some history. Unless you subscribe to our TikTok, then get back on TikTok. Get back on TikTok. Follow us. Well, look, I think we've covered three really cool, interesting historical fiction shows. I hope that I've broken down a little bit what historical fiction is actually means as a genre as opposed to a period piece or as opposed to a fantasy piece. So, yeah, I mean, obviously all like any Akira Kurosawa film is obviously historical fiction, of course. You know, Seven Samurai, obviously, uh, Yojimbo, anything like that. So it's all around us. Again, you see it everywhere. Like Tolstoy wrote almost, you know, exclusively historical fiction, any war film. So it's Twilight um, in 100 years. (laughs) Wait, just wait. When it becomes a seminal piece of, and, of history. I mean, I'm thinking actually of like Bridgerton. Does that count? Well. Because that is a, mm. it's like a, that is interesting because that is a Regency era romance, but it's like, it's not necessarily, fa- I reckon it kind of well, is. It's, you can't call it, that's when you get the like, is it a period piece? It wasn't written in the time period. It is historical in the context in which it is written. So but it's, it's not based on real people. But it's or not real based events. on real people. Is that they, what makes it technically? Like, yes. I guess history is the main point here, right? It has yes. to be a history, historical moment, historical yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great, the great is ab- ab- absolutely oh, historical 100%. fiction, and yeah. he and also absolutely. the favorite, the great, all yeah. the favorite, of his stuff. Historical yeah. fiction, but um, in anime, I think we've nailed the three. What I think are three. There are others, of course, but I think these three are really, really cool. And again, two of which based heavily in Japanese history, and one of which, of course, based in European history. Really, really cool. So there you have it. That is our historical fiction anime episode. I hope you learned something. And if you want to check out some of these shows, look, all three, read or two watches, 
So, so cool. Golden Kamui season four, cannot wait. Honestly, you guys should watch. You've watched the first season, haven't you? Watch the first. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm watching it for the bear. <laughs> Only for just, the bear. Just come, I'll yeah. turn it off after. I'll be like, yeah, after the bear is It's been done. done. <laughs> you won't believe how bad the bear looks. It's, it is hilarious. Uh, Kingdom is another one we mentioned before. Kingdom. Obviously a big one, but again, <laughs> I think the bear's bad. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We would very much like to thank our patrons, as always, and, of course, Grant, Stuart, Rose, Dom, Caroline, Alex, and Samantha. Oh, and Christian. We appreciate it so much. You can, of course, look us up on all of our social media platforms, which are predominantly Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or you can head to our website at www.gatewaytoanime.com for any of our new news and goings on. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thank you. See you soon.